Now, today we're coming to one of the most famous and most loved chapters in the Old Testament, uh, Isaiah chapter 40. It comes as a, at a real turning point in the book of Isaiah as a whole, so you've been with us in the series so far. You may have noticed chapters 1 to 39, it's been a predominant theme of judgment, and you're pleased to know that today it moves through a predominant theme of salvation from chapters 40 through to the end of the book in chapter 66. And it serves as a major turning point in the, the whole of the Bible as we continue to be given these wonderful prophecies of a Messiah to come who's going to change absolutely everything. I'm not sure if you're aware that um, it is this very chapter, Isaiah 40, was the inspiration behind the first vocal movement in Handel's Messiah. Um, Handel spent three weeks composing this masterpiece um, barely stopped to eat or sleep, wrote it just down the road in Brook Street in London. And when he got to the Hallelujah Chorus, his assistant came, saw Handel in tears, and apparently Handel said, I have seen heaven open, and I've seen the very face of God. Now, I'm not promising that's going to happen this afternoon, but if you and I can just catch a glimpse of the face of God as he reveals himself to us in this chapter, it will make such a huge difference to our lives today. Many people, they don't have the view of God here that we're going to see in Isaiah chapter 40. Many people view God as someone who's really quite hard to please, that you have to have your life sorted, that you have to have everything together in order to be accepted by God. And so they live in fear of making mistake, of getting things wrong, of falling into sin. And when they do, they think, oh my goodness, what about for my relationship with God? And they can feel very guilty. And it can be quite a horrible way to live your life. On the flip side, many people today assume that God is only there to give them exactly what they want and affirm them in their desires. It sort of brings God down to our own level, makes him like us. But then suffering strikes. We go through difficult moments. Life can be hard at times. And God, well, he can't really help in those times. He's weak. He's powerless. He's helpless. He's worthless. We get angry with God. We start blaming God as if there's anything wrong ever with God himself. Perhaps you are someone here looking into Christian things. Perhaps you've been told that the God of the Bible, certainly as he, we see him in the God of the Old Testament, to be cruel, to be vindictive, to be cold, to be distant. If that's your view of God, you probably don't want to have anything to do with him. Certainly not going to have intimacy with him. How we view God masses, matters massively for how we relate to him. And if we catch a glimpse of what he's really like here in this chapter, the, the hope, the joy, the comfort, the assurance that we can have in our relationship with God, even when we get things wrong, even when we muck it up and blow it with God, it is still there for us today. Okay, so come with me now to the chapter. We're on page 724. Let's find out who the God of the Bible really is. First, in verses 1 to 11, we meet the God who speaks comfort to his people. The God who comforts. Let me read from verse 1. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all our sins. Now what a change of tone from chapters 1 to 39 in this predominant theme of judgment. We've been left um, in verse 6 of chapter 39 with God's people in exile in Babylon because of their sin. 
thinking, oh my goodness, we've blown it with God, it's all over. But here is God now reassuring his people, promising that comfort is coming, still calls them his people, comfort my people, speaking tenderly to them, I'm not going to abandon you to your sin. And so straight off the bat, the comfort that God is promising here is not the comfort of an easy life and just giving us what we want and affirming us in our desires, but this is a comfort of sins forgiven, first and foremost, and our relationship with God restored. Let me just give a little bit of explanation about that phrase, she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Do you think, my goodness, that's a bit harsh and that's a bit unjust if God's punishing them twice for their sin. That's not what the phrase means. It's more like when we use the phrase, a stunt double, right? An exact match. Your sin has been fully paid. Um, notice also that this royal pardon is not simply being handed down from on high, you know, God all cold and distant. In verses 3 to 5, we see God coming personally to his people to rescue them from exile, to bring them back and to be with them. Verse 3, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. He is coming for us. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Here he comes bringing salvation, forgiveness of sin, relationship with God restored. Did you know that all four gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all quote these verses, verse three, at the start of their gospel, for the arrival and birth of Jesus Christ at the start of his ministry. God entering into history, God coming personally to bring salvation, not just for God's people back then, but for all of humanity, if they trust in Jesus Christ. There is much false comfort around us today, particularly when people are trying to comfort us in the area of sin, mistakes, failures, suffering. But in these next few verses, come on, actually, see what the verses are. Verses six to eight, we see just how assured this comfort is. You, all people are like grass. And all their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. Verse 8, the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of God endures forever. In other words, when God promises something, it happens. And in 538 BC, God's people, God did come to rescue them and brought them back from exile. But there was a greater promise to come. And just over 2,000 years ago, God did come in the person of Jesus Christ and brought the salvation, this forgiveness of sin for humanity. These are words of comfort to be shared with others. Verse 9, you who bring good news, lift up your voice. Here is your God. And then just look at verses 10 to 11 here. As we see what a restored relationship with God looks like. What it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ today. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power. And he rules with a mighty arm. But now look also at verse 11. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. Here is the God of the Bible who really does bring comfort to his people. This is who he is. Here is our God. I remember watching um, the Rugby World Cup. This is 2019, a match between France and the USA. Um, one of the locks on the USA team, Greg Peterson, um, 
a huge beast of a man. He's like six foot eight. He's 19 stone. Incredible strength and speed. And we've just seen that over the past 80 minutes on the, rug, on the rugby pitch in the, in the match. And at the end of the game, he comes back on holding his newly born daughter in his arms, like cradling her close to his heart. You know, and all the rugby players are coming around cooing and all the rest. And I just, watching it, it was just such a ju- juxtaposition seeing this incredible strength and yet tenderness like side by side together in one person. His love for his daughter, the, the strength and protection of his daughter. I thought, my goodness, that must, must be the most comfortable baby in the world right now. And, that, and that, that is the picture we are given here of how God treats his own people. Incredible power and strength the ultimate, and yet such intimacy and tenderness, speaking words of comfort. I'm going to carry you close to my heart, close to my bosom. Now, and I hope that's just so encouraging for us because no matter how far we fall, no matter how far our hearts wander from him, no matter how severe the consequences of our own sin are in our life, I don't know how your week's been with you're struggling with that right now. And you might think to yourself, is there any way back? How's God feeling towards me? Am I all right? Comfort, comfort, says our God. Your sin has been paid in full. Come here, come back, turn around. I'm here, I forgive you, I love you. Let me carry you afresh. Do you get a sense of that comfort right now? I don't know what instinctively comes into your mind's eye, you know, when you think of God whether you do think him of cold and distant, uncaring, cruel, vindictive, perhaps all-powerful, but a bit scary, perhaps all-loving, but a bit weak, a bit wet. Do you see God as he really is? See the sovereign Lord coming with power and yet holding his people close to his heart. The God who comforts, he really does. And then the rest of chapter 40 serves to drive this wonderful truth about God home for us. Perhaps because we find it really hard to believe this to be true about God, that he's really like this, that he's really for us, that he's this loving, this forgiving, this compassionate, this tender, this strong, this protective. And so in verses 12 to 26, we are reminded of God's incomparable power, that he is able to comfort his people like this. And then in verses 27 to 31, we see God is the God of the weak and needy, and he's absolutely willing to comfort his people like this. So let's look at each of them in turn. In verses 12 to 26, the God of incomparable power. Now, I wonder what you made of these 15 verses, 12 to 26, when you heard them read out, because I think the prophet Isaiah here, he's, just, he's stretching our imagination sort of beyond human comparison and measurement when it comes to God's power and might and majesty and strength. Just listen to some of the questions that are put to us here in verse 12. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand or with the breadth of his hand marked off the heavens? I don't know if you've ever carried like a large volume of water in a bucket or in a tank or you try to empty a paddling pool with a load of water in it. And when you do it, it's like deceptively heavy, right? We find it hard just with the bat. And the picture we're given here of God is that he's holding all of the 
Ocean's water across the whole globe in the hollow of his hand. The hollow of his hand is just the cup of his, that palm of his hand is shaped into a cup. I, I've, I discovered this week that we have only discovered and mapped out 5% of the world's oceans. God has measured it all. You have the little children's song, he's got the whole world in his hands. You might think it's a little bit twee. <laughs> this is where it comes from. It is absolutely true. Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket? I struggle just to hoover up all the dust in my own bedroom. God's power and authority stretches to every speck of dust the whole world over. Who has weighed the mountains on the scales? Who has weighed the hills in a valley? Does anyone here know how much a mountain weighs? I had to look this up. Mount Everest, you ready for this? 150 trillion kilograms. I mean, I don't even know how to get a gauge on that. What does that mean? 150 trillion? There are over, just over 1 million mountains. I mean, do the maths on that. I can't really, I mean, it's just, do you see? I was just saying, he's, God is completely incomparable. God's power over creation beyond human measurement. And so, verse 18 With whom then will you compare God? Implication? No one. Verse 25, over the page. To whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal? Says the Holy One. Implication? No one. Beyond human comparison. Verse 15, surely the nations are like a drop in the bucket. Verse 17, before him all the nations are as nothing. Verse 22, all people are like grasshoppers. Verse 23, he brings princes to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. A God of incomparable power, a God beyond all human comparison. So God can bring comfort to his people. Be assured of that. Nothing can stop him. No one can get in his way. Not the most powerful king at the time when Jesus in his early years, King Herod, wanted all naught to two-year-olds killed. But God effortlessly warned Joseph in a dream, everything is okay. Not the devil himself who tempted Jesus for 40 days not to go to the cross. Jesus effortlessly resisted the temptation. Not even the entire Jewish establishment, Romanists, they were looking for ways to put him to death. But Jesus went at just the right time when he wanted to in total control of his life. All of them failed miserably to stop God's plans and purposes coming about, his comfort for his people, sins forgiven, relationship with God restored. Now, I don't know what it is that makes you doubt that God is able to bring comfort to you right now. Perhaps the escalating war of words between the US and Ukraine just in this past week, and you're really beginning to worry now how it's all going to play out. Perhaps the climate crisis, and you think, can God really save this planet? I mean, can he really bring in a renewed heavens and earth? Am I really going to get resurrection bodies? Am I really going to see Christian loved ones again? Perhaps it's the power of our own ongoing, indwelling sin. And we just feel trapped by it at times. 
addicted to it. To drink, to porn, to the opinions of others, to our own selfish desires. God, can you really set me free? Or perhaps life just feels very difficult for you right now. So much change, so much instability, weak and weary. God, can you really help? Here is our God. Here is your God. If you are trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. Incomparable power. To bring rulers like Putin, if need be, to nothing. As simply as we move pieces around a chessboard. Power to bring in a new heavens and new earth as simply as Jesus calmed the storm, healed the sick, drove out evil. Power to overcome any addiction in the power of the Holy Spirit. Power to bring any comfort that you need right now. Comfort, comfort my people, says our God. See the sovereign Lord come with power, carrying them close to his heart. This is our God. Let's come to him. Receive his comfort now. But you say, you know, Mark, I, just, I, st- I still struggle. I still struggle to believe this personally, really. Mark, you don't know what I've done this past week. You don't know how bad I feel. Does God really care for me this much? How can I know that for sure? And if that is you, well, look, let's finish with verses 27 to 31 because God is the God of the weak and needy. And he really does want to bring comfort to you right now. No matter how bad you feel, no matter how much hope you feel is lost. Verse 27 of Isaiah 40. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, my cause is disregarded by my God? Here are God's people in exile thinking all is lost thinking there is no way back for them. Verse 28, do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. He gives strength to the weary, increases the power of the weak. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. The week before last, our youngest, Jessica, got really ill. It happened on a Wednesday night. Um, we got woken up by these really eerie screams. We've not really cried. We've not really heard anything like it before. And we go into her room to, to see what's going on. And as, as we hold her and pick her up, she is just burning hot. And so we, we get the thermometer. It's a digital thermometer. We try and get, find out you know, how high it is. And it just says high on the digital thermometer. It's really unhelpful. It's like, well, how high is it? And we found out afterwards it was so high, it was off the scale. And so high was it, she actually started having these febrile convulsions. I mean, it's one of the most scariest things. I'm not, if you've got any parents who have experienced this. And she's just losing control of her body as she's shaking and she's so hot. And Jessica, she's normally such an active vocal person and she was just so weak and she was so weary and she was motionless, just lying flat. That's absolutely horrible. Now, this might be a really silly question for me to ask, but what do you think Joe and I did when we saw... Jessica like that. Do you think we said to her, you know what, mommy and daddy are really tired. I need to get some sleep. We're going back to bed, we'll leave you to it. You're looking at me quite strangely. Of course not. Do we say, hey, your problem, your illness, you deal with it yourself. I'm sure you'll be fine. Over to you. 
course we didn't. We took her clothes off, we tried to get water into her, we gave her cowpaw, we tried anything to get the temperature down, we took her to hospital, got her checked out, we slept with her for the next sort of 48 hours in case the convulsions came back, had her on our arms 24-7, and let me be the first to say that Joe and I, we are far from the perfect parents, but of course we did this for her. So dear and precious she is to us. So how do you think it is when God the perfect father looks at you, his people? Is he going to leave you? Suffer by yourself? No, he is willing to bring comfort, to bring strength, forgiveness, renewal, pick you up, let's go again, not leave you to it. He really does love you. This power that he has does not distance him from the weak and needy. His power is the basis to give help to the weak and needy just like you and me. And if you have any doubt, even now, that he feels this way towards you, that he loves you this much, just look at the person of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the incomparable Son of God, the one with all power. And what's he do at the end of his life? Lays down all his power for you, for me, to be hung on a cross, to be crucified for our sin, to pay the penalty of our sin so God can say, your sin has been paid in full. Forgiveness is yours. Jesus rises from the dead, gives us the gift of his spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit in us, transforming us from the inside out, guaranteeing us seeing God face to face on that final day. He's done it for you so you can know for sure he feels this way for you. And comfort is available to you right now, whatever you are facing. In the film Chariots of Fire, the Scottish athlete Eric Little He reads out from this chapter, Isaiah 40, in one of the scenes. In the week leading up to um, the Olympic final, he goes to a chapel service. And he's reading out these verses, in particular these final verses, verses 27 to 31. The film um, cuts to these flashbacks of the British athletes who have failed previously, setbacks, disappointments, fallen over, lost races. And And God picks them up. And helps them to go again. And for Eric Liedl, yes, gave him the physical strength to run so fast he wins the Olympic gold. But not just that, the spiritual strength to stand true to his convictions and not run on a Sunday. And not just that, if you don't know. Stop the athletics after that. And gave a life of service and sacrifice as a missionary abroad for decades and decades and decades. Here is our God. He loves to give strength to the weak and needy. You feeling weak and needy right now spiritually? What a great place to be in. To come to God. Say, I need you. Strengthen me, empower me, forgive me, change me. I need you. And what a picture we're left with at the end. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. Sometimes it can be like that, right? You just feel the Holy Spirit in your sails. So assured of the forgiveness of sins and power to live for Jesus, to speak up for him. But notice how the chapter actually ends with a real realism that sometimes we're just walking. Sometimes we're just stumbling along, struggling to get to church, get to inspire group, crying out to God in need. And he promises you will not be faint. He will not let you go. 
he has got you. All his power for you, carrying you close to his arm, close to his heart. Please receive these words of comfort from God to you right now. Let me pray that for us all. Let's pray. Father God, we thank and praise you for this chapter. It's been tough at times, these first 39 chapters, with this predominant theme of judgment because you're a holy God and you must deal with sin. But wow, as we turn to chapter 40, and you have said, sin paid for in full, and it happened in your son Jesus Christ on the cross. And so please, would you reassure our hearts of this comfort that is ours if we're trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ, that you are this incomparably powerful God, of course, can bring this comfort to us and you're so willing to do so. Please give us this view of you as you reveal yourself to us here that we may go away from today knowing what you're really like and the massive impact and change it brings to our lives. We ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen.